0: welcome to the Hierith and Other Words podcast. I am your host, Timothy Mangle, and with me this week is one of my uh, best friends for my whole life since being an awkward teenage boy, and uh, I can't even look over at you without smiling and welling up. So I'm happy to have you here, uh, Alan thanks, Reinert. Man. I didn't even say your name. I knew the first thing you were going to say is thanks, man. <laughs> I'm just, I was thinking about it in my head today. I'm like, what's Alan's first thing is gonna be a nice, humble, thanks, man, that I, that I talked over.
1: <laughs> it was very representative of our time together. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: yeah, good. Well, so do you remember how we met? Is it just drama club in high school?
1: I think it had to have been.
0: Yeah, because I can't think of anything other than the fact that we were both emo kids. I
1: mean, I think that probably had a lot to do with it. We went to a school with like 100 people in each grade. And so like <laughs> when there's like three emo kids, it's pretty easy for them to find each other.
0: <laughs> we we had this thing in our high school where each grade had an emo kid. I guess your grade had two, technically. Was Kyle in your grade? No. he Was, was he above you? Um, he was a year ahead of me. But then there was also like there were like
1: people on the fringes because there was like jordan okay that like came later
0: yeah people you guys don't know about but, sorry about but yeah for the most part yeah there until was
1: like the end was there like our time there
0: were, did other people dye their hair as much as we did no okay so i think that's why maybe black but like yeah we no went but we good. went yeah hard and that's why i also think of justin wikoski sure or, uh justin uh mcberry whatever his name is now i'm so sorry justin but yeah Ooh. um it's good friend time so yeah i guess when but then like i guess we started hanging out probably because we live close to each other and we were both emo is that what it was i
1: i don't even know me neither because i'm just, just imagining
0: sort of like us like being in thing and then i just the next memory i have is just being in your car
1: <laughs> yeah or like for me it's like staying at your mom's place and Did just you like sleep there much yeah Really? Not a lot, but like often enough.
0: Man, I do not remember like anything from my childhood, and it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but remember yeah, that But yeah, picking at all. you up
1: from school mm-hmm. uh, for school
0: for school, yeah, and driving and me, yeah.
1: I don't know if I took you home. I think because I had might've. like extracurricular stuff. Okay, because like I would have soccer. Yeah, maybe I would
0: or... ride the bus home. Actually, because you probably got is this. Good content for people who aren't us. I got my license when I was eighteen, and I so that was after you got yours. So then I probably once I got it, I just didn't need you anymore.
1: I don't think you had your license before I moved away. Oh, that's, yeah,
0: because I got it my senior year, and you were uh, you were off to Chicago. Yeah. Okay, so now we're. I definitely tell that we're on the territory of this being a boring conversation for people who aren't <laughs> intimately involved in this relationship, i.e., me and you. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but okay, so. But it's important. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I'm just uh, It sets up up a framework of who we are. Sure. And, I mean, you can tell from our fun, playful banter that there's clearly history here. Um, And one of the greatest, I don't know, greatest things I feel like I've ever accomplished in my life, maybe, that's a big statement to say, is being someone who brought you into spirituality. Mm -hmm. As someone from the outside, like just looking into your life, you have... You didn't have any, like, interest in those things at all?
1: No. Uh, Grew up in a super secular household um, where I just didn't, it just wasn't a part of our lives in any way. Like, it definitely wasn't, you know, my parents were, grew up uh, probably going to church occasionally. um, But it wasn't a part of their lives. And so, as a kid, it just wasn't even something that I had any concept of. But, like, you'd hear It was treated, it kind of felt to me a lot of the same ways as like, there's like these Greek gods and like the Mm. Norse mythology. It was just like these stories that I'm like vaguely aware of. It's like, yeah, there's like this Adam and Eve and this guy named Noah, but I don't really know what that's all about. And it's just like this other thing that I don't really have any concept of. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it was just like this thing that I knew people did, but it just didn't have any connection to me.
0: And that's probably, like, very similar to where I think a lot of young people find themselves at currently. Um, I think you were probably the birth of... Because I feel like a lot of the people in our generation either had, like, a a religious family or they had some sort of... And this is a small freckle of people, but, like, an actual, like, religious conversion. Or there was also people who just hated religion.
1: Well, I think a lot of those people also came from religious backgrounds. That's true. And that's and probably, then, yeah. it had whatever situation happened to them. But and now
0: then, I, I think the, like, 18 and under is the most unchurched generation in American history. Sure. Um, we're a
1: post-Christian world, according would, to... Do you believe to, that? No. But... Sure. I think it's... Uh, well, what does it mean to be post-Christian? Sure. I mean, we're still, like, you know, this incredibly religious country. Um that basis, you know, you just look at our politics uh, for better, or for worse, but that's religion becomes a huge part of that no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's still a huge part of our daily lives, whether or not we acknowledge it.
0: Right. And I, there's something to be said even about like, cause I, I, I agree with this. I agree with this statement Very much so, until I probably have to say it out loud and then I get a little bashful about it. But for me, it's like anyone who lives in Western society or comes from Western society, i.e., like, or meaning like Europe or, uh, I mean, obviously America, uh, the West, that they're innately Christian because of their relationship just throughout history. The past 2,000 years, give or take, was ruled by the Christian church, the Catholic church, you know? So, and even, because I've noticed this interesting phenomenon when it comes to people who would say that they're, you know, people still use the standards of Jesus as like, this is the person that you should live up to or whatever, even if they don't follow or worship him. He's still seen as- It's still a cultural concept. Right. It's still a cultural concept of like, this is what it means to, like, because- I was thinking about, and I'm sorry I'm going off on a long tangent here, but, like, I was thinking about Jesus in the fact that, like, he got to a place that almost no one in history can get to, meaning that pretty much everyone looks at you and goes, you were all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Because, like, even, even, the pe- even
1: people that aren't followers of Jesus right. are, like— Culturally, or just in their head, they're like, yeah, he's a good guy. (laughs)
0: Because he represents pure, like, he just is so culturally, like, the zeitgeist Mm -hmm. Jesus is, like, peace-loving. Like, he's so much more of the hippie, liberal Jesus than the conservative Jesus, which is oddly wrapped up in, like, the more people who would say that they follow him. But then, like, the public has this more, like, liberal understanding of Jesus. Why, Why do you think that is? Go ahead and this random thing. That we just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> try to try to pull it apart.
1: I mean, I don't know. I think there's, I think there's comfort in structure, and so I think for a lot of institutions of like a lot of religious institutions, people use that structure as a safety, as like a a, a blanket, like a yeah, a security, yeah, a security blanket. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, where it's easier to fall back on the dogma than it is on like. The more ephemeral, like Jesus' is love. It's like, well, what does that mean? Right. What, yeah. how, what, how, do, what can I, how do I do that tomorrow? Right. When it's like, don't do this thing. Well, I can do that. That's easy. Right. Um, not easy, but it's Tangible. easy to wrap your head around. Right. Um and so I think Yeah, I think that's where well, some of it comes from.
0: Right. Like, and I you know, broadly speaking, people of conservative nature you seem to be the more of I'm going to structure my life. And that means I do this at this time, this at this time, and my God does this, 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 and I do yep. this. And
1: I go see him at Sunday at ten a.m. and, I, and he's there, yep. and
0: it's a good time. We get a free wafer at the front. Some guy says some nice words. We sing some tunes. It's a good time. So, what did you? So, as someone who didn't have any relationship with Christianity, what was it like going into? We won't like throw any church names under the bus but what was it like going to a charismatic like holy spirit filled church
1: well i think to take a step back from there um i remember kind of at least this is how i remember it uh during that time of my life i was like 16 or 17 um going through a lot of stuff um that i didn't really know how to deal with um and i know you were going through a lot of that as well and i you had gone to the church first or had someone gotten introduced to it before me. And I kind of remember the conversation as like, hey, you should come, do- come to this thing. It's super positive. Like there's there's something here. And I was kind of hesitant. You were like, well, what do you have to lose? Like everything is sad already. Like just like, <laughs> and maybe that's not how it was, but it was, ba- I remember it as basically like, you're already sad. Like just come try this thing. Like it's not going to make you worse. Uh <laughs> Which is, like, maybe not the best way to be converted, but it worked for me. <laughs> and so, uh, I was like... Dude,
0: not to cut it, you off, I know a missionary in Thailand who got saved through a MySpace post. So It can happen yeah, anyway.
1: Can happen. Uh, but I, I think I was always curious about Christianity. And so, was willing to take the jump. And it was this person that I trusted and knew, um, kind of recommending to go try this thing. And so, I was like, sure. Let's give it a shot. And then going in, uh, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, And yeah, lots of singing um, and then sort of a structured um, sermon. Uh, But I, I don't, you know, I don't remember what they talked about. I remember very little of it. But I remember leaving that place feeling better than I had in months. And I was like, whatever that was, this feels like I'm happy or not happy. I wouldn't even say that strong, but I'm like, not sad. Um, And that was enough to kind of hook me and say, I want to find out more about what's going on here. There's this community of people who seem to care. I remember getting greeted. I remember being like acknowledged that I was new. And so just like having people coming up to me and saying like, hey, who are you? What's your story? And like in a very kind way, Um, (laughs) but like- Who are you? What's what's your story, boy? I just that acknowledgement of like seeing me as a person and like wanting to like learn more about me really was something that I needed at that time. Um, Yeah. And it just it sucked me in.
0: Well, well, I mean, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. You know, like any person who still, you know, goes to that mindset, like who still functions that type of church who would hear that would go, well, that's exactly why like we do with this, you know, and like. Obviously, there's something to be said about, like, some people do it with malintent of, like, just trying to convert. But other people are just like, hey, you're in a church for a reason. You know, like, churches are the cliche things that they are because of they actually are supposed to represent. Again, like, I, it's so interesting that, like, I read about this in a Carl Jung book about how Mary, up until a very recent time, was, wasn't considered a divine figure and then but the general public believed she was for so long that the uh, Catholic Church was just like well then she just is because everyone <laughs> believes it like and I don't again if I have any strong Catholics out there like fact check me on that but give it a goog see if i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm right about it um so I don't know there's this it's a That's why I found religions so fascinating is that there's this weird overplay between, like, reality and, like, the needs of the individual and the needs of the community. And, like, and obviously, like, God trying to, like, shine through through these, you know, fractured pieces of these religions. And they're just trying to, like, cobble it together the best. And obviously, I'm making it sound way worse than, eh, I don't know. But it's, it's what they're there for is to like trying to like wrestle all these like different needs and sure. then like and exist I think, for that.
1: I think at different times in your life, the reason you're going there is for it changes. Because, you know, when I first started going, it was for super selfish reasons. I mm. wanted to feel better and this was the thing that made me feel better. Right. Yeah. And so it was like definitely about me. Um, and then as I've grown <clears throat> and moved along my spiritual journey, the reason I go has changed um to a point where i'm at now which is like maybe also still selfish but it's like um i want to base my life around how jesus lived his life and so i want to learn how i can do that better (laughs) yeah Um, right yeah and obviously it's because i feel like that's the model of of living but it's also like yeah and so a little selfishly it's because like i want to be better
0: well right i think somewhere along the line and i think this is like a generational thing maybe we don't need to make it one but i feel like when i came into the church or a big portion of my relationship with christianity was very much of the right thing to do is imitate jesus as much as you can and that's it you know like if you can like if that's all you got to do you know like yeah that's all right like Well, again, yeah, sure, that's a a heavy order. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you're right, it's all you have to do is just embody God, and you'll be okay. It's not Um, too hard. (laughs) Um, You're right, I mean, it's, but it's, again, I don't, you don't want it to get caught up in this thing of, like, well, just, you have to imitate Jesus, you know, and that's why, you know, I like what you said about, like, seeing how he would have, lit, like, thinking about how he would have approached his situation, and and embodying that rather than maybe projecting your ideas already onto him and then just having a, a bias confirmation.
1: I had a, a pastor kind of take a spin on the what would Jesus do and add to that, which really s- struck me and has always stuck with me, which is more than just what would Jesus do, what would Jesus do if he were you? Mm. And so to take that a step further and say, if Jesus had lived the life that you have in the context that you have, what would he have done rather than this figure from, you know, 2000 years ago? Right. Um, But putting it into the context of the life that you've also lived, Mm -hmm. which I think is really helpful to think about it that way.
0: Well, right. Because that's the only way that you can interpret Jesus is through your own lived experience. Right. And that's what Richard Rohr says. He's like, listen, we're going to put the, like, your, your theology and, uh, What's the, um oh, God, there's a word for, like, your actual, like, lived practice, but I forget what it's called. The, the front triangle of it is, or if it's a tricycle, wow, I'm doing a terrible job with this analogy. Sorry, Richard Ward. <laughs> let's try again. So he says that our, essentially, our spiritual journey has three wheels, and I forget the back two, but the front one is experience. Because regardless of what, like, I think the last one was, like, tradition and scripture. Okay. But it's still ultimately led by experience because sure. experience is the things that led to those other two things. You know, you can't have sure. the Bible without people experiencing and living through the things of the Bible. And then those were a phenomen- a phenomenological experience that were then interpreted and kind of projected towards... Uh, Abrahamic religions and all that fun stuff. <laughs> I like that we're doing like these fun tangents in the middle of our stories and and just like going off of like these random paths. Yeah. About I love it. No, that's it's seriously great. So I so you went off to college. I went off to well. Time. First,
1: we got baptized. I was okay. Yeah, because
0: I was going to say that <laughs> Alan and I were baptized on the same day. Do you remember that day at all?
1: Um. So I have this memory about it that. Every time I tell somebody, they're like, that can't possibly be true. And I'm sure it's not true. But, like, I remember standing in line and waiting, being super nervous. um, And the person that was in line in front of me was getting baptized again. Which, like, at the time, I didn't think much of. But now I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. But, because, you know, kind of only get saved once. But, anyway. um, I I distinctly remember the water being, like, green and smelling like green apple. Which I'm like... (laughs) As I look back, like, I'm incredibly confident that that couldn't possibly have been true. But I have this, like...
0: I thought, hand to God, I thought you were going to be, like, an angel, like, talking to me or something.
1: And so, there's, like, in my memory, there's this, like, green apple water that I got in. And for, like, years, that didn't seem weird to me, that the water would would smell like green apple. And then I, like, really sat with it and thought about it and was like, that can't possibly be true. But, anyway, I... I don't remember a ton beyond that. I mean, I remember being super excited going in the water. Not it's a super weird experience. I mean, I was yeah, if you've ever been baptized, it's weird. You like yeah,
0: some guys like some guy just like just dunked you says, in the water says some things. I can I like yeah. just interject. I I was thinking about this today, man, because I'm okay, so full disclosure, into something weird that like when I was going to church at seventeen and eighteen years old, I was interpreting tongues. and that when you step I out of that there were people that spoke in tongues. yeah, there. and I I spoke in tongues. I still speak in tongues, and I like interpreted tongues then. So, there's a big... I'm, like, on my podcast, I don't really talk super much about, like, my private spiritual stuff. But now I'm just like, I speak in tongues. (laughs) (laughs) I I bring out... I uh, apparently... Well, I mean, you're my best friend, so I'm the most comfortable. And I forget that there's no one here. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. And I'm just like, man, that's a crazy thing to, like, tell an 18-year-old to do. Because you're essentially saying, hey, there's some sort of weird... I don't want to say magic or, like occultish stuff but it's like there's there's this thing and like here's while justify like me speaking in tongues because you can actually like it's a it's a phenomenon that happens to people outside of religious context as well so that's like it has scientific they've done research into it it's called like glossalia uh, or something like that give it a googs this is just an informative inf- uh, podcast for you guys this week but um yeah um and I think about that, like just, and again, like we're doing these weird rituals of dunking fully grown people into water that I don't particularly remember being green apple anything. Yeah, I just I remember assume, water. No. What do you think that is? I don't know. Uh, do you ever, like, Google spiritual significance of green apples?
1: I haven't. I have Googled, has anybody else ever been <laughs> baptized in green apple water? That you, didn't come back. Did,
0: Google didn't have a lot to say about that (laughs) Uh, 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 (laughs) I love going to Google for my weird spiritual questions Because it's just like I have no idea (laughs) Uh, I'm like what does it mean when I'm meditating And I see a dragon (laughs) And they're just like I don't know
1: I I haven't given it much thought But uh, yeah well yes yeah, so it was
0: i i look back on getting baptized with like great memories you know and because i like i remember the o- i was so overwhelmed and emotional at the time um mostly because the pastor who baptized me said some very kind words about me that he didn't say about anybody else before he baptized me which was very nice um just shouting out and stoking my ego right there. But I, I mean, again, it's like the it's it's the movie scene moment for me. Mm. Right. Because like for you, it was green apples. Like that was the thing that stuck with you in your yeah. movie scene. For me, it was the fact that like my mentor at the time was like, here's like something. He, I remember he said, it's like, keep your eye. Keep your eyes on this man because God's doing something in his life. Mm. Um, Then he shipped me off. Not him. Well, both of them shipped me off to Taiwan. Uh, thanks both of you. Anyways, that was my own feelings coming up. But uh yeah. Uh we I I, I remember I wanted something like super like f- not, like just something crazy to happen when like I got dunked in the water, like got you know, projected on my body or, or whatever. Like a lightning it is. strike, you know, yeah. Something something. But, yeah, like or like did you see fireworks when you had your first kiss? No. I did. And that I've always wondered. I'm like, I wonder if that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have known it was a cliche. Huh. But I legit saw fireworks.
1: No, I don't even remember my first kiss.
0: I do. Uh, well, technically, it was my second kiss. My first kiss was underwater. And about me,
1: but <laughs> sorry, I just forgot
0: Again, we're just having a conversation. Yeah, going. Back. So, so where, so where do you feel like you went after getting baptized?
1: Um, so I think, I think at that point in my life, again, it was something that was really selfish. And so, um, I don't think I had like this huge spiritual connection to like God at that point. I think it was like, this is this place I go to. Um, I mean, I remember being on fire. I remember going to this like summer camp. Uh, where we like stayed at this college for a few weeks to like see what it would be like to live at college with like all these random kids
0: Uh, i thought i thought that was something you and i did i'm like i don't remember doing this at all i remember like
1: sitting in this group and there was this girl um who like wanted to read me poetry and i was like you can only read me a poem if i can also read you scripture and it was like this trade so like i was super on fire but i like i don't I don't know if I like felt the spirit. I just was like excited about this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think part of it too was like, it helped me shape my identity a little bit, mm-hmm. which was something that was sort of ephemeral at the time. Um, but then.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: I mean, when you're 16 or 17, you're like searching for something to latch onto to say like, this is me. This is who I am. Um,
0: I'm going to dye my hair and wear studded belts.
1: Yeah. And so that was part of it. Mm-hmm. And then that grew into christianity like being something that i could define myself as um and kind of create those shortcuts for people when they are like hi this is who i am this is something about me that helps you like understand who i am as a person um which we probably all still do Mm
0: -hmm. um well you need to identify yourself you can't be an identifiable person (laughs) you know like your ego like again those a lot of these things are like because you have to build an ego to navigate reality, but then the problem is, is understanding that your ego is also a tool to help you. It's, it's the getting caught in sure. your ego and saying, this is who I am that bogs people down. Um, yeah, so I mean, I can totally relate to that because there came a certain time in my relationship with Christianity and God and all those things that it was more about this is just who I am at this point, you know, like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I have to be doing these things because this is what it means to be a Christian, you know? And that's what I was taught. Um, and again, in, in the worldview of, in which I was taught, like it's, it's correct. Um, I don't know. Um, do you feel like you, cause I remember what I was going to ask is, do you feel like you had a deconstruction phase or do you feel like there was a time where you just kind of just let it kind of sit in the, uh, like the timeout room or so, or just sit on the wayside or something like sidelines? That's the way I'm looking for.
1: My faith? <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't think that I really ever had a deconstruction phase. I think the sort of, I, I mean, it, I don't think I have yet. I know about the theory of like the dark night of the soul. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's maybe where. I'm headed at some point I don't think I'm there yet and I don't think I went through that even though I took a time away from my faith but I think it was really like yeah I was super early on and then just sort of stepped away and I guess for there's probably a lot of Christians out there that were like no you did deconstruct you did all because you know for years I lived sort of as just a secular person and they would have been like that Was a huge mistake or whatever. Sure, Um, but I don't necessarily think. I don't think that that's deconstruction necessarily.
0: I just think because you it it wasn't religious based that time. Like even in your in your acts of what you were doing, you weren't like rebelling out of like. I hate Jesus no. <laughs> like it, was, it wasn't that it was just kind of like oh that was a time that, a thing that has passed and like mm-hmm. I
1: don't think it was a thing that helped me through a really hard time in my life right
0: because that's yeah that's how I remember you describing when we when we really got talking again um, after we both moved back to the area because mm-hmm. um, where would you say that you were at spiritually when you moved back? Was there any, or is there anything you want to touch on in between those times between?
1: I mean, I, so I lived a super, what you would expect from like a 20-something living in Chicago life. Um, And then looking back on it, I recognize the journey that I was on that I didn't recognize at the time. But basically, when I moved to Chicago, the motivation was... I want to go live in the city and be that person, the kind of person that lives and works and does all the things in a big city. And I didn't recognize it, but like, God was like, sure, we'll give you all those things. So I like had a great job. I was, you know, graduated college, was doing all the things you're supposed to do, had a girlfriend um, was like doing all of those things that a normal person would be like, this is it, you've made it. And I was miserable. I was so unhappy. And so Luckily, that girl broke up with me. It was miserable at the time, but it like it was one of the best things that could have ever happened looking back. Mm-hmm. Um, I quit the job that I had because um, I was just miserable um, and just basically took some time off to just sit with myself, drank a lot, which was not healthy, but um, got to essentially rock bottom and was like, I need to... Well, at the time I just was like, I need to go home and visit my parents and just like reset my head. And so I went and visited for a week um, and was like, you know what? I think I need to move back. Um, I need to get away from the city. I need to try something else um, because all of this isn't working. Um, And at the same time, it's just so funny how God works in our lives. Because I was also like, I want to stop sleeping around and I'm going to commit myself from this day forward. And this was, I wasn't considering myself a Christian anymore. But I was like, from this day forward, I'm not going to have sex until I get married. Mm-hmm. That's just something that's important to me. As just, like, a guy on the street, I just decided <laughs> that. And, like, just, just a, you
0: walking down the street like, da, da, da. I shall be celibate.
1: But looking back, it was, like, a part of my returning to the church and, like, right. trying to, like, regain those values. It just, like, had nothing to do with faith, but I was, like... I've been been involved with a lot of women and it has led to nothing but heartbreak. Um, and so like I need to take that out of the equation and, um, yeah, it was just like part of the getting pulled back in process. Right. Um, that at the time I didn't understand, but, uh, it all makes sense now.
0: So what, what, I guess in that time for me, just to give a quick, I would have been over in Taiwan yeah, that was uh, a
1: seven or eight year period.
0: Yeah. So I would have been in Taiwan, f- full-blown missionary, planted a little church um, with a bunny of my name, Caleb. If you're listening, Caleb, I love you and want to get you on here one day. Um, yeah. And then just became very, it was similar. I mean, not. It, it's ironically interesting because for me a big part of the reason I left my faith was because of their issues with purity. Um, and for better or for worse, you know, like I'm, I don't really want to dive into whether or not the church has whatever, you know, I just, we don't need to go into that, but that was a big part of it. Um, but, uh, that was also me breaking away. Whereas yours was more of a coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I moved back to Pennsylvania, again, to to try to get my head straight, and uh, we found each other after like a year, of, you were home like a year or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, I just needed to like, isolate myself, and like, be really self-reflective.
0: Yeah, and you uh, li- I won't give full disclosure of where you used to live, but it's a very isolated place, you live on a horse, you used to live on a horse farm, yep. now you live down the street, if that window was open, I could see your house, <laughs> that's, that's fun.
1: Uh but yeah, I just like cut myself off from the world. Um, yeah, it was what I needed at the time.
0: But don't you think, in some degree, that that might have been a small dark night of the soul? Maybe. Let's let's talk about dark night of the soul because I f- I haven't talked about that concept at all in here. So give me your understanding of it.
1: It's the way that I understand it is that you reach this point where. Essentially, you can no longer hear from God, and so, you know, you're <clears throat> you're praying or you're going about your life, and there's just God doesn't exist anymore. He's just not present in your life in any way, um, and it's this sort of experience that you need to go through for growth. If your um, if your hand is held the entire time, you never learn to walk on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm butchering it. It is way more complicated than mm-hmm. that, and I cannot explain it well. But sure. Um, and maybe that was what those eight years were. Uh, Mm -hmm. but when I hear people talk about it and maybe it's just, I don't do, I look back and I'm like, yeah, it wasn't so bad, but maybe it was worse than I think it was like those uh, that time.
0: Well, let me, let me see if you would agree with this at all, but this is my interpretation of kind of your spiritual journey and relationship with God. Whereas for me, I kind of have this like here's me, there's God, let's get our shit figured out kind of thing. Whereas you, I feel like it's like God is, I don't want to say like he's the guy who's like organizing everything in your life and then like you're you're approaching everything in life and seeing it as it's his hands. Whereas I would say that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas I'm more of like it's a big practice of mine or a big thing that like I had to get out of was seeing God as like this one single entity Mm. and not something that it can be that but is also integrated into everything kind of how you kind of see him so I think that that's just a little bit of because even like when I talk to certain people and, and Jamie has mentioned this is like there's not necessarily this direct feeling of God there's this sense of, like, everything is organized and whatever, whereas I have the more sense of, like, there's God, like, we're working this out. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I think for me it's definitely a lot more of, like, a recognition of his presence than it is, like, a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's growth for me there because, like, God is somebody that we can talk to. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, there's people in the Bible who changed God's mind. Right. So it's, like, it is this thing – That can be talked to and have that deeper one-on-one connection with Mm -hmm. which I think is the part of my faith that can Use a lot of growth Mm -hmm. because I yeah, I do see it more in like the day-to-day Things, but it's less of a personal relationship, which is Mm -hmm. something that there's room for growth for sure,
0: right? so going back to the dark night of the soul the the concept of dark night the soul was um, Brought forth in the church by a man named st. John of the cross Spanish, I, right? Who is? Yeah, it was a Spanish. And there was uh, that woman too. Uh, yeah, she, uh, Teresa of Avail. No, she was a different. She it might have been Teresa of Avail. Oh Lord, forgive me. There's only like so John Saint John of the Cross is. I mean, the other lady is amazing as well because they work together. Right. Um and I think that they were, like, secretly doinking. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, that's my theory. But, like, sorry, St. John of the Cross. I'm just putting you on blast. If you didn't, that's fine. You're a saint. I guess you're probably supposed to be Chase. Anyways, um, he just, he was, like, He was put in jail for his beliefs and like his practices and all those things. And then they like eventually it was he had just a very weird relationship with the church where they didn't trust them. But they Mm -hmm. would like give him like a monastery, but they would like take away power. And like (laughs) it was just it was interesting. Um, But he wrote this poem called Dark Night of the Soul. And um, I've always pictured it as is him essentially being like you're in a room with God and a window opens and you climb out of the window and now the God's gone. Mm. Um, and whether or not you've, it's you who opened the window or if it's God again, there, the lines start to blur at that point because you're no longer in the same room. Right. And then you're in this kind of, you're outside of your house in the barren wilderness and you're just like, Oh no, I was, I was very fine there. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm in this place of, yeah. And like, because for me, my dark night of the soul, and I, there's arguments to be made that there's more than one in your life, but like I think you'll get at least one big one to wake really wake you mm-hmm. up. Um, but mine was Oregon, um, and m- moving out there and allowing myself to really kind of go through that process. And I wanted, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever asked you this in private, so let's ask you it on the podcast. <laughs> But what was it like watching me go through my my deconstruction and my dark night of the soul?
1: What What was it like being with you in Oregon, basically? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think.
0: And how did let's let's say not just make it about me, but how did that affect yours your journey?
1: Well, it's interesting. I think um, you were coming from a place of not wanting to be a part of the church anymore, but also having it so ingrained in your being that you couldn't step away. And so a lot of the media and content that you were consuming at the time was like from either people who had been burned by the church. I remember you were in a group of people who were like all like former Christians or like current Christians that were like in a place of hurt. And so I think there was a lot of healing for you that you got out of that but that also sort of opened the door and it was like, I was um, out of like the corner of my ear, constantly hearing all these conversations. And then you would obviously want to talk about it. Um, And so it started to like open up those, like crack open those doors in my brain that hadn't been opened in a while. And it was like, things I hadn't thought about um, were suddenly getting asked again. And I was forced to confront those questions. Um, And then it started to kind of pull me back I'm him, sorry
0: I, I dragged you in twice. No, I mean, it's <laughs> the greatest thing that you
1: did it twice.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: well, I'll always be here to do it, buddy. The one... Yeah. Oh, boy. Um,
1: but I think... I think it... those like, whatever, six or seven months. Maybe it was more than that. I don't remember. That we lived
0: together was... Oh, it was, I mean, it was like 10 months or something yeah. like that.
1: Um, was a really healing time in different ways or maybe in the same way i think i was yeah searching for something thought oregon would be that thing and then it ended up that i found god again um which just happened to be in oregon right yeah
0: (laughs) right that's yeah yeah and again like it's he's in the things right so it's not just you didn't just find god but it was the whole process along the way you can even I'm fine with calling that God as well, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's because it's I think even if you go back to the traditional definition of God of God is love. Love is a verb. And so it's completely fine to say that God is something that is in action, you know, like it's the whole process. But yeah, kind of going back to well, very much so going back, not kind of, but going back to Oregon. I do remember like those conversations. I remember feeling the way that I do about any conversation where I'm like, do they really want to talk about this or am I just imposing my thoughts onto other people at the moment? And what I really appreciate about you as opposed to, I think what I really learned from you in that time, um, whether that be intentional or unintentional was when I would like Throw information at you or whatever Is you would actually sit in silence And like think about it And for me I'm such a verbal processor That I'm just like "Well, what about this and this and this and this And that and this and then I like would say it to you And you like I just had this image of you Cooking dinner and like Just slowly like thinking about like whatever It was and that's like I, I mean that's yeah. pretty accurate <laughs> Yeah I mean that's exactly what it was So and there was like Yeah it was It was such an interesting time because I, I remember the conversations of us moving out there and us both being like life is so such an open field of potential and we're just sitting here talking like it, it just seemed like why aren't we going out and and doing it you know mm-hmm. obviously we both needed time to sit and heal and mm-hmm. kind of get our head straight which was part of the which is funny because for me i felt i mean i actually think this is true for both of us is that like we got there to get our head straight and then we were like we need to get more straight <laughs> <laughs> and like to go past like okay so it's like we went out to a place of like we went out to the to the wilderness essentially mm-hmm. you know like and being like let's go explore the world and we went out and we battled and we got wounded and we needed to come home mm-hmm. to get healed and then after that we needed a place of cuz we didn't we didn't do anything in Oregon. We I feel like we spent most of our time I contemplating. Just went to the bike shop. Yeah, you worked. I w- kind of worked.
1: I volunteered for a long That's time. That's true. You <laughs> and did. And then I worked. And then you worked. But even that was you know, was me Well, and that was such a big part of it too, but uh yeah, a lot of that was just me, kind of by myself or with like another group of people, but like not a ton of talking, mm-hmm. and so just like a lot of alone time to contemplate. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, because when like when people ask me about Oregon of like what did you do, and I'm like it's just thought,
1: but I think we went out like three or four times.
0: I mean, I, as <laughs> as a couple. So when Alan and I moved to Oregon, it was so hard to not. And there's no obviously no problem in being gay, but like we're not gay, and everything that we do makes it sound like we're gay. Yeah, we live together, we moved to the other side of the country together, and everything we did. The way Tim talks about me, the way I talk about <laughs> you, the way we kiss each other. <laughs> but yeah, I just remembered, like every time we went out, we would be like, "Yeah, we just moved here, and we live at this place, and we're not gay, but it's yeah. fine if you're gay." <laughs> at least that was my struggle but um no i mean we i think we went to uh the coin jam a fair amount which was a barcade out there um and that was like it we went out to eat like with some friends like a couple of times in 10 months yeah like it was literally just the time of like isolation, contemplation,
1: but also being on our own again on our own. Right. Like, you know, in quotes, cause we we're, weren't living with our families anymore. Well, you weren't living with your family, but
0: well, yeah, you're right. Um, well, I'm actually, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. But it
1: was it, definitely for me, it was a time of like being independent again and like learning what that's like again.
0: hmm. Well, and I think like it's, it's authentic living, right? Cause that's what I think that we think that we, we both saw that we had tasted it, right? Like, cause you and actually, you didn't mention this, but you lived in Israel for a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, we've both traveled the world, gotten to like experience these crazy things. And then we're kind of like, well, why, why should we stop? Like all, all because life didn't necessarily go in the way that we wanted it to. There was still an aspect of that life that was fruitful.
1: Sure. And I've never felt, and maybe this is just a product of moving a lot as a kid, but I've never felt like I've ever been trapped in a place. Mm. Getting up and moving is always an option for me, no matter where I've been. And so, yeah, deciding to move to Oregon wasn't that hard of a decision because I've moved a lot. And so... Moving is comes fairly naturally to me. See, it's
0: funny that you say that because my natural instinct was growing up. I didn't move a lot necessarily, but that's not true because my parents were divorced. So I w- literally was at a different house every f- mm-hmm. three or four days. Mm-hmm. So like, I like, I realized when I I forget where I think my apartment down there may have been the longest I've ever lived in one place like at a time. Which was two years. So that's that's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I also wonder, like, how much, I mean, I, it's not even a wonder. It's I just know all of this stuff that happens in our childhood is because it's supposed to launch us off into whatever journey we're supposed to be on, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, all those, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we... Like, you wouldn't have had the urge to go to the church if it wouldn't have been for the things that were happening in your life, right?
1: Sure. And I think I also needed, you know, God always knows more than we do. But I think I needed, I think had I not had the eight years that I did in Chicago, I think I would have always wondered, well, like, what is that life like? Had I, from the moment I got baptized, continued to just be a Christian for the rest of my life and, like, follow those values, I think I would have... I think I would have made a lot of mistakes along the way um, that would have done more damage to the people around me than had I done it the way that I did it. Because I think if I would have gone about my life claiming that I was a Christian, being in a Christian community, and yet still wanting to do the things that I did during those time, or at least definitely having the urges to do those things, I think I would have ended up hurting a lot of people around me. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to go, and I don't think this is for everybody, but I needed to go and like, try the worldly way mm-hmm. and god was like sure mm-hmm. i'm gonna give you the freedom to do that i know that that's not right for you but i know that this is what you need right and lived that by all the metrics of the world was doing it right and then was like no this sucks well
0: and again like it's it's um it, is it the right thing quote unquote it's like well that's a subjective sure and it's, different it's for, for you it's well no i won't even say that it's like it was the right thing because it ended up pulling you closer to God again, you know? So it's like, and again, like what, you know, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. So, you know, I, cause I, I, I just see those two paths in my head overwhelm so much of man's choice and God being able to like respond properly in all things in order to, Direct that person onto the path that they should be going on, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether that looks like a positive thing or a bad thing. Again, like for me, it's all God and it's all a part of this, this larger thing. So I don't know. I guess I'm, I really don't, I'm like out of things to ask you, but uh, because what, what do you think? What do you think the future of Christianity looks like? We have definitely have had this conversation a thousand times out in Oregon.
1: Well, so, I guess maybe, I don't know. But I have a hope for what it looks like. I really hope that over the next, you know, however many years, it's going to be a lot. That generationally, I I think one of the biggest problems with Christianity right now is there's people who I would consider cultural Christians. Who basically go to church on Sunday that for that hour or two hours is when they interface with God. And then they go about their lives in a totally secular way, but call themselves Christians and then maybe, maybe make decisions that they think. And yeah, but aren't, aren't fully understanding the heart of God. And I think that that is really destructive and problematic. Um, and I hope that as that, cause People are so difficult to change. I hope that as that generation and those leaders that lead people in that way start to fade out that a new generation, because I've been to churches like this um, that are really trying to live out the heart of Jesus's message and not the the dogma and the, the rules um, and creating a, yeah, truly living a Jesus-filled life rather than just like I go to church on Sundays and like these are my beliefs and they're very strict and I don't struggle with it because mm-hmm. that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's lots of really difficult things in the Bible mm-hmm. that you have to grapple with constantly. And it's not just like, yep, I'm a Christian and I feel this way. Yep, I am a Christian and I like struggle with this thing and I struggle with that thing. And I'm like, don't know if I agree with that, but like that's a struggle. And mm-hmm. so that's good mm-hmm. and positive. And we should do that because that means we're growing in our faith right. rather than... Um, it's funny I think about this a lot with maybe this area and yeah I think there's an idea of people getting saved and they're like great I'm at the end line I did it now Mm -hmm. I just I go about the rest of my days and it's like no getting saved is the first step Mm -hmm. (laughs) now you're on the journey of growth
0: right? Um, well and even the I will will write a book one day called Jesus Saves Imagination and I really want to because that was one of the first questions I really started asking during my deconstruction, reconstruction phase was, well, what does it mean to be saved? Because it's like, well, if it's just you know saying a prayer, that can't be it. But if it's only doing the right things, well, that can't be it because I'm a human and I'll fail. So for me, again, like salvation goes back to this thing of like it's a verb because it's like you – I, I mean, I also have this, like, bigger uh, idea of God as this, of, again, like, the the thing that's, like, organizing all of the p- pieces behind it, sure. you know? So it's, like, um, well, a person, when they become, and, and Ram Dass, um has a quote about this, is, like, there's two people in the world. There's two people that realize that they're on the spiritual journey, and there's people who don't yet realize it. Sure. And, and I think that that's what... We would say is that like that tipping point or that that you kind of eyes being open into like, oh, there's a different reality to live in is what mm-hmm. baseline salvation looks like. Of Because I think about that, like with you as a kid of being like, oh, there's more to reality than like just this kind of standard secular reality that I was handed, you know. So I. I don't see Jesus as a figure going away because he's so gosh darn attractive. Um I have again, but I don't think the co- like the idea of what a church is supposed to represent, it won't go away. What a church is in in basic structure because it's 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 one of those things that human society's been trying to build for so long of like, well, what do we need? We need community, we need a place that we can connect to God and whatever you know like we need to i mean again this is kind of branching off the idea of community but you need people around you who can support you and like people that love you like yeah. unconditionally i mean you i know? would say you need a small group right yeah <laughs> well see do you think that that's the future of america is going to be more of like house churches and independent churches
1: um it's hard because i'm coming from a church in oregon that it's hard not to feel like or maybe it just feels bad to say that like i feel like they're doing everything right Mm -hmm. um and i feel like that's the future which is you have this this larger service on sundays that everybody goes to and then that church is broken up into communities of like 10 people that meet once a week outside of the church to talk about the sermon and also just like be a part of each other's lives Mm -hmm. um and like talk about the things that people don't want to talk about with anybody else. Right. Um, it, it's nice to have this group of people who are fellow believers, who know that the struggles you're going through with like that part of your life um, that maybe aren't your like closest friends who you're willing to be vulnerable with in ways that maybe you're not with your closest friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having more contact points <laughs> with mm-hmm. God is always good and doing these small groups um i think is yeah this sort of decentralization um obviously there's lots of ways that that can go south but um i think it's a really productive way to do things
0: yeah i would agree i think again it's it's what really becomes a problem because again when you when you look at something like something like that you're just like those are people who were just trying to do their best to be the best of like, again, like Occam's Razor. Like, to just be the best versions of themselves. Like, to just just be good people, you know? And I think it's so... I. Obviously, it doesn't feel like you can say this about everybody. But I love the fact that it feels like at least the majority of people try to, to some degree, work on themselves. Or, or some... At least I, what I'll even just trim more fat off of that is to say that I love that there's a part of us that know that encourages us to be better yeah you know and like I think the more we listen to that I don't see how that could be a bad thing I think
1: I think it's inherent in all of us it's just some people believe the lie that they are what they are and they'll never be anything different yeah which is incredibly pervasive in our world right um, where yeah people come to believe like this is my stock in life things will never get better this is who I am, and this will be it's this generational curse mm-hmm. that um, yeah, it needs to get broken every once in a while
0: yeah, yeah, and that dude, so and they it, all look like different things, but right I mean well, i i I love the idea of generational curses as a concept, not as something that I'm subjugated to because <laughs> just everybody is sure. um we can talk about that at, at another time, but I don't know so. What's what's some encouraging words you could leave to people who are in this place now, maybe coming from a history of Christianity, maybe not? Just what's... I don't know. It's it's a... I don't know if you've noticed, Alan, but it's a crazy time outside. It's a crazy time. You might... <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you... How would you encourage people?
1: I think it's important to broaden your horizons um, and especially if you're a Christian, I think you need to explore outside of your church and going to church on Sundays is great, but I think you need to dive into what other people besides your pastor are saying um, and just really get a different perspective on on God than the one that you're being told on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Not that that's bad, but God's way bigger than any one person can explain. Um, and the more that you can um the more voices you can hear um trying to teach you something i think the better off you're going to be i think getting back to some of the what i hope christianity turns into is we start to rely less on individual pastors and more on the collective knowledge of christianity as a whole right um
0: well like the bible talks about the idea of the holy spirit leading the church right and not being this man-made thing it's yeah. That w- that's that's very beautiful, man, because I feel like that might be the opposite of so many people's encouragement in in the church, right? Is or maybe even just any sort of obviously any sort of ideology or doctrine is going to be like this is it. Like no. don't, don't stray from read. it. <laughs> right. And like cuz I think for me like I think the biggest insult that you can give to God is just saying we we figured you out. Like yeah. we got you, you know? Um
1: and I would say, don't be afraid. God's got you. Like, right. you know, We're like, right, yeah. you can't, yeah, you can't be afraid to explore for fear that you're going to be turned astray. Like, God's we, got you.
0: You ready to make it full circle? <laughs> you're already sad. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what more could you, what more could <laughs> you lose?
1: From, I mean, if that doesn't convince
0: you. Yeah, just sit with God for a minute, man. I don't know. Well, oh, gosh. Yeah, I I, don't, I feel like we, we could keep going, but I feel like that's a good place to end <laughs> next it next time. Yeah, man, I'm definitely gonna have you come back. We have um, here's a little teaser for. I'm probably not gonna have you on for a while, but for the next time you come on, I want to talk about uh, anchors and kites and just yeah. relationship dynamics. We'll do it. We can Alan and here. I have anchor ta- match. Yeah. can you see your tattoo? It's, it's right here. Oh yeah, you have the anchor. Oh wait, can you lift it up? There's an anchor. Where's my kite? Where? Oh, it's there. So people from watching, I can't see it, I have more tattoos on my leg than you do, haha, ha, suck it, one. Nerd. <laughs> Um, Alan and I have a cute little th- relationship thing where we talk about being each other's anchor and kite uh, We'll talk about that on an episode yeah, in right the future here. Yeah, it's hiding above a, a Native American and in between a bird and a cat You know, how kites do They've all got stories <laughs> They all, don't we all? All right, guys. uh, Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe and like wherever you subscribe and like things. Um, The video is on YouTube and Facebook, and the audio is wherever you get podcasts. So just type in a confusing first word that probably not many podcasts are uh, called, and you'll find us. And uh, if you want some bonus stuff or you just want to help out the show, we have a Patreon that will be linked in the description. So uh, if you sign up for a dollar or more, you get a bonus podcast. That's me rambling a bunch about my spiritual thoughts and whatever. So, yeah, check that out. Thanks, Alan. I'm going to say some kind words for you. I appreciate you being – dude, I I I feel like I really screwed up at your wedding? Because I, I focus so hard. I, for those of you who don't know, I uh, officiated Alan's wedding and then also gave a best man speech. At I focused so hard on the ceremony that I just won the Both best man speech. Thank you. But I feel <laughs> like I just had so many more stories that I could really wrap up you as a person. Um, and maybe since we were talking, I've already done like the closing plugs, but we'll already talk <laughs> about one of the... I had a really, really, really terrible panic attack out in Oregon where I, I mean, long story behind it, but ended up, like, breaking down in our tub, crying. I was mm-hmm. banging on the walls for you to come and get me. You picked me up naked out of the tub, brought me to the bed, and I, for hours, as I just hyperventilated. I Did I throw up? Yep. Okay, I was thinking about that today. I'm like, did I throw up, or did I just imagine that? <laughs> Green apples. But, uh... Yeah, you sat with me through that one of the worst experiences of my life. I think that that moment was me definitely getting pushed out of a window or something happening. But yeah. you you sat there and you were just a beautiful light and you didn't ask anything. You didn't you just were there to be loving. I just and, served, man. Yeah, and you've always been so good at that. I feel like you're just naturally yeah and just another good story is whenever I used to pick you up when we would hang out before we moved to Oregon is you would just always have like a cupcake or a cookie for me. <laughs> so I mean, what more can you ask for a guy? You're the best man. I just I appreciate you to the yeah. With yeah. my whole heart.
1: I'm so glad we have been able to rekindle our relationship multiple times. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I hope we continue to do that. Yeah. We will. Now that we live down the street from
0: each other. <laughs> yeah, that should hopefully it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> all right. Thanks guys for sticking through all the sap. Uh I hope it doesn't ruin your shoes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye.